Alright guys and welcome to Just a Guy Talking Football Podcast with PJ Janky. Here we go, it is Monday, we're going to run it back from the weekend Go over all the action including from last Thursday So we're going to start there guys, let's start with that Denver at Kansas City game Where Kansas City was victorious 19-8 to um, not the high scoring affair I think some people thought Kansas City would put up against that bad Denver defense, but that's what happens in division games, guys. They stay a little closer than you'd think. Um, well, let's start off with Denver, which I don't know what the heck's going on with them. Russell Wilson had 95 yards, uh, at passing. He had two interceptions. As a team, they only had 197 total yards of offense. That's just dismal, guys, especially under a Sean Payton-led uh, led team. I'm just kind of shocked. I don't know what's going on. I really believe that they're going to start doing uh, more of a fire sale there. I think Payton's going to just tear it all down, rebuild it, and maybe at this point they're just going to go for the first uh, overall pick, which very well be, could be the case because I think that maybe Sean Payton's going to run his... Uh, Patience out with Russell Wilson as we start to continue. I, I and it might just be that Russell Wilson needs a, a new change of scenery too. I'm not saying that Russell Wilson's done by any means, but he's definitely not lived up to any of the hype that it's supposed to be in Denver. So maybe he needs to move on too. Maybe they can get something for him. They're definitely not going to re- uh, get back what they what they traded for him, but maybe they can get something at the end of the year. They're not. They're definitely not going to trade him before that, but. That's uh, that's my little take on Denver. Now, let's go to Kansas City now here, guys. Now, Mahomes had 306 yards passing. He had a touchdown. He had an interception. Travis Kelsey, that was supposed to be hurt, looked just fine. He was uh, perfect. Nine receptions on nine targets for 124 yards. You know, the, the, here's the problem that I see with Kansas City, okay? All right, now I get it that he only put up 19 points against Denver. They This is the worrisome, guys. Kelsey caught nine nine receptions. The next person up on catching passes was Pacheco with six receptions. Then after that, it was uh, Rasheen Rice for four receptions. And then you had Kadarius Toney with three receptions for nine yards. They need to get wide receiver help. Absolutely. These younger guys aren't putting it together like, I, that, like they thought they would. I think they need a veteran. And if I'm them, I'd be shopping around to see if any of these teams are looking to dump somebody that's got a little bit more of an upside. Because Kansas City putting up 19 points and having these receivers do this in against the higher caliber AFC teams, whether in the regular season or in the playoffs, is not going to work. It's just not going to work. And Kansas City is going to be sadly mistaken and might be a first round knockout of the playoffs if they keep this up. So they got to figure out some answers. They're winning. And Mahomes has got the magic. Travis Kelsey is great. Pacheco's a decent runner. But it's not going to cut it against the good AFC opponents. It absolutely isn't. And if I'm Brett Veach, I'm looking around to see what veteran wide receivers might be available that can up the talent in my wide receiver room because I think they need it. All right, let's go over to the game that was in London. We're going to run it back with Baltimore Ravens versus the Tennessee Titans. This one, guys, it was pretty much Baltimore the whole time, uh, really. I mean, they they took the lead early and they kept it. Baltimore had a nice uh, 
bounce back game from the game that they had against Pittsburgh to where their offense definitely put it together some drives and some scores. We're definitely seeing Lamar Jackson open it up a little bit more in the passing game than we haven't seen in the past. So, I mean, yeah, we had 223 yards passing. He had a touchdown in the air. He did have an interception. He did add 62 yards on the ground. We did see Zay Flowers catch that uh, touchdown reception and go for 50 yards. And the main thing is to, as well as um, Baltimore and Tennessee, both were pretty abysmal in the red zone where Baltimore was one for six in the red zone and Tennessee was one for four. You'd, You'd like to see that Justin Tucker was a perfect six for six for Baltimore. So they kept putting up points and they never looked back. Their, their defense played great. They had six sacks, 10 QB hits, and an interception against Ryan Tannehill. And we'll just go into Ryan Tannehill a little bit, guys. They were Tennessee was 11% on third down. Tannehill was, only had 76 yards passing. He ended up leaving with an ankle injury, which he was later carted off the field for to get looked at. And Malik Willis came in. Malik Willis was pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know, for for what he had to do, because this was pretty much in the third quarter that he kind of came on in. Derrick Henry, of course, did Derrick Henry stuff. He 12 attempts for 97 yards and a touchdown. I just wonder with this uh, Tannehill injury, which, you know, he kind of felt like he couldn't force his throws. He couldn't really walk. It kept getting worse and worse. And Mike Vrabel kind of said it was hard for him to execute the stuff. So I just wonder if this is going to be start to be that doorway that I've been talking about, guys, to where they're going to give either Malik Willis or Will Levis a chance to uh, add some spark to this offense. they got to figure out something because you can't go 11% on third down and expect to win. I mean, at the end of the day, they had a little bit of a fighting chance, but really it just it wasn't enough. They, You know, the score was closer than really the game was, guys. All right, moving right along, let's go to the Washington at Atlanta Falcons, where Washington ended up winning this game 24-16. to Sam Howell, I mean, he didn't light up the, the stat boards by any means other than with touchdowns. He had 151 yards passing, three touchdowns. Really, Washington as a team only had 193 yards of total offense. The main thing that they did was they just capitalized on very short fields. They had a big pump return from Crowder one time that led to a really short field, and then they rushed it right in right after that. Main thing is for Washington, they had a win, but they got to pull from this game is they have concerns on their offensive line. Sam Howell was just getting hit way too much. Now on the reverse coin, we saw Desmond Ritter had put up some decent stat lines for Atlanta, but he had so he had 307 yards passing. He had two touchdowns, but the main thing is, guys, he had three interceptions, and they were key interceptions. I mean, really, it kind of killed Atlanta in the end. I mean, one time he got picked off in the end zone, so they're basically trying to come down, either get close or take the lead. And, I mean, really, at the end of the game, you could see Arthur Smith look frustrated by it. I'm not shocked. I mean, they are putting up some offensive numbers. You're seeing Drake London kind of come alive. Nine receptions on 12 targets for 125 yards. But, you know, 
Raiders got to clean up some of that stuff if they're going to be any kind of force in this NFC South, which I think the NFC South is for sure up for grabs. I mean, the only team that I can really count out of it is the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, I mean, one of these teams is going to have to step up to win this division, and Atlanta could definitely do that. But Raiders got to play better, and I think Arthur Smith is trying to figure out what to do here. I don't know how much longer on the leash uh, Ritter has. I mean, like I said, he's putting up decent stats. But at the end of the day, if you're not winning football games, that doesn't matter. All right, here we go, guys. Let's move on to pretty ugly game here in Chicago where Minnesota is visiting Chicago for an NFC North matchup. Minnesota ended up winning this one 19-13. Uh, we saw Kirk Cousins do Kirk Cousins things, 181 yards and a passing touchdown. He did have another fumble, which I think they're, they have like 13 or 14 lost fumbles for the year. Not very good. Uh, but And they were only 15% on third down, which is pretty abysmal as well. So Chicago defense was playing pretty decent, but so was Minnesota's defense. They had five sacks, they had two inter- interceptions, and they did have a fumble recovery for a touchdown, which was shortly after... Justin Fields left the game. We had Tyson uh, Badgent come in. Fields ended up dislocating his thumb. They thought he broke it. Um, He couldn't grip the football. It's not good news, especially for Chicago. I mean, Tyson Badgent's last start before uh, this game was in a Division II college football game, so it's definitely not going to be very pretty, I think, uh, playing against Las Vegas next week. The main thing is Chicago did run the, rush the ball good as a team, especially with all, most of their running backs out. Uh, they had 36 rushing yard, uh, attempts for 162 yards rushing. We did see DJ Moore have a pretty quiet game, five receptions on eight targets for 51 yards. Main thing is, guys, uh, Chicago, 11 straight defi- division losses now. That's that's They're in trouble. They were in trouble. We had a little hope after their last couple offensive performances, and now we're right back to square one again. So, not much else to really say. Minnesota, it wasn't a really pretty game for them either, but they got the victory. That's the main thing. So, all right, moving right along, guys. We had Carolina visiting the Miami Dolphins, where Miami ended up taking this one down 42-21. to Now, shockingly enough, Carolina jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead before we could even blink it felt like uh they had a rushing touchdown from hubbard and a and a receiving touchdown from thielen and they're 14 nothing and you're like hey what's going on here carolina's got some life well right away in miami it felt like blinked again and it was 21 14 miami right before half Tua did Tua things 216 62 yards passing with three touchdown mostert who was the main uh, running back in the backfield, 17 rushing attempts for 115 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and he added another one in the air. Tyreek Hill, six receptions on 10 targets, 163 yards receiving and a touchdown. He was doing backflips with people's cameras, and he's been doing backflips regardless ever since. I kind of feel like Miami is still rolling. I'll tell you what the one thing about Miami. They don't hold on to the ball long for time of possession, but that's okay because they are efficient as heck putting up points. And why do they need to hold on to the ball long if it, if they're scoring points that quick, that quickly? So that's just something to keep in mind. 
I wonder if teams are going to make force Miami to, you know, if you try to slow them down, if that will help. But man, when they want to put up points, they put up points. And I mean, this wasn't a shocker by any means that they beat Carolina. Carolina's got a lot of stuff to work on. Bryce Young, a little bit, you know, he's he's gaining a little bit. But I mean, this, I mean, the the twenty one points. They put up 14 points in the first quarter, and then they didn't put up the other seven until the late fourth quarter pick six on Mike White. So that was after they took two out of the game. So Carolina, a lot of things to work on there. They're having a little rumbles about Frank Reich and, you know, and the owner, David Tepper, you know, is David Tepper too well involved? Now, you know, you're getting the rumors, oh, did they want to take Bryce Young or did they want to take CJ Stroud? Uh... Whichever. They got Bryce Young. That's the main thing. I think Frank Reich's going to be fine. I think David Tepper is a hands-on owner. Just have to see. The main thing is they need some skill position players there for Carolina to help this kid out. And and until they do that, you're going to see them struggle. All right, let's move right along to the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. This game was kind of a... Kind of an ugly game for both teams. We saw Cincinnati take it down 17-13. to I mean, Seattle, Geno Smith, 323 yards passing, but he had two interceptions. Kenneth Walker, 19 attempts for 62 yards and a touchdown. Now, Seattle scored right, you know, kind of early on and made it 7 nothing. And then after that, it just was kind of downhill. They never really saw anything again in the, you know, they were 1-for-5 in the red zone which is just not going to get it done. And, you know, on the flip side of things, guys, the Cincinnati, they were two for two in the red zone. So, I mean, they put up points when you got to. So it's Joe Burrow, 185 yards passing, two touchdowns. Main thing that I see about Cincinnati, their defense is playing good, four sacks, 12 quarterback hits. Their running game is just very non-existent. Joe Mixon, 12 attempts for 38 yards. I don't know what, what they're going to do on this one. I mean, their total offense was only 214 yards, but I mean, what does it matter if you win the game? But once again, you're going to see Cincinnati's going to get against some of these better opponents in the AFC, especially in their division, and that's going to be something to worry about. If they can't get that offense rolling the right way, they're going to have a similar harder time, just like I was talking about with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Cincy... Put one on the board, but an ugly game, but a win is a win. All right, guys, let's go to one of the big shockers of the day, which was San Francisco visiting Cleveland Browns, and Cleveland ended up winning this one 19-17. Now, San Francisco started off the game, and they looked like San Francisco would. They got the, they got the ball in the end zone right away, 7-0. Then they picked off P.J. Walker. And got it down to like the 15 or something. So you're like, okay, here we go. San Francisco's just going to roll. Well, you know, Cleveland held them to a field goal there. And so it was 10-0. Cleveland clawed back in to make it 10-10. Then in about the third quarter, you saw uh, Christian McCaffrey go out. We saw Debo Samuel kind of go out um, later in the game too. So two key injuries to San Francisco. Now, they've got plenty of talent on that team. But they definitely looked like they missed him after that. Because McCaffrey was running the ball pretty well before that. 11 attempts for 43 yards rushing. Brandon Ayuk, he had four receptions on 11 targets. 
for 76 yards. A lot of that was on the very last drive when Purdy was trying to put it together to try to win. Purdy did not look as uh, Purdy as, uh, as Purdy as he has before. I guess I should say he had 125 yards passing, a touchdown, and an interception. They were two for three in the red zone. But man, they tried to win it late and Moody pushed it just right for the win. So they missed a field goal to basically win 20 to 19. Cleveland, hey, what can I say other than they held on, their defense played pretty well. They rushed amazing as a team. 34 attempts for 160 yards rushing. And they just kind of tried to keep the football as long as they could. Amari Cooper, a great day. Four receptions on eight targets for 108 yards passing or receiving, I should say. You know, I mean, that was the way to do it. They Both teams, though, once again, a little bit of an ugly game. 12 penalties on San Francisco and 13 penalties on Cleveland. So main concern for San Francisco, too, was Trent Williams. Their big left tackle was seen in a walking boot after the game. We don't know what's up with Christian McCaffrey's ribs. Debo's, I think, a shoulder. Now they are playing the Minnesota Vikings coming on up here. So not necessarily... um, a caliber uh, opponent, so I they might hold these guys out. But the main thing is with San Francisco, their depth. Let's see who's going to be able to step up into these guys' places. Yes, these are two good skill players, but they've got other skill players on that team. I just it really looked like in the couple uh, throws that I saw from Brock Purdy, he definitely looked a, a little off. He was throwing high. He was throwing, you know, he wasn't throwing receivers open. He was throwing way over them. So I don't know if that was the Cleveland pass rush. I was getting him a little nervous, the hostile environment, or just being under a little bit more pressure to win the game when usually they're not in a pressure situation to win the game. Usually they're in the situation of I'm in complete control of this game and we're just going to play for, you know, free and loose and no stress. So something, some kind of things to keep an eye on there. But, you know, I'm not going to worry about San Francisco. We, every, you know, this is just kind of goes to this thing of any given Sunday, guys. Cleveland, you know, they were about 10-point dogs. I think 9.5-point dogs. They ended up winning at home. That's the other thing, too. You know, when, they, when you're a 10-point dog at home, it's, it's usually a, a big indicator to swing the other way. So, not that overly concerned about San Francisco. Knew they were going to lose a couple games. That was just a kind of shocker that it was the Cleveland Browns that took them down. All right, let's go to the AFC South matchup of the Indianapolis Colts versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. We saw Jacksonville win this one 37-20. And a lot of that had to do with Gardner Minshew on the other side of Indianapolis. Now, he put up a lot of yards, 329 yards and a, and a touchdown. But he had three interceptions and he had a fumble, which basically Jacksonville capitalized on each one of those. I mean, the fumble was a really short field where Travis Etienne just ran it in right after the interceptions. Both times Jacksonville had pretty long drives to make sure that they kind of sealed the deal. Main thing with uh, with Indianapolis here, two guys, they 17 attempts rushing for 44 yards. Now they were down. So I kind of get that. But a lot of passing in this game for Indianapolis. A lot of passing game. And I think they want to kind of go back to that formula where they're rushing the ball pretty well. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, a.k.a. Sunshine, 181 yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception. 
He left the game in the fourth quarter with a little bit of a knee problem and he didn't come back in. Now, the only time that they really needed somebody to come in was to down the football. So not a huge concern. We're going to have to wait to see what happens there. I mean, their, their defense is playing really good. Three sacks and the four turnovers. And the turnover battle is a big key, especially in division games. So hats off to Jacksonville. They look like they're kind of starting to get their act together and starting to roll here. Okay, let's go to the New Orleans Saints visiting the Houston Texans. Now, we saw Houston um, end up holding on to win this game 20-13. to New Orleans, Derek Carr, 353 yards of off uh, passing, a touchdown and an interception. This is the key for New Orleans. They put up a lot of yards, 430 yards of total offense, guys. But they were 0 for 3 in the red zone, and they missed two field goals. And that's the difference right there. Not only that, I mean, Derek Carr, his one interception came when they were trying to drive to basically take the lead. And that's the, that's the key. They missed two field goals early, so they needed a touchdown instead of a field goal. And Derek Carr put it up. Houston capitalized on it, intercepted the ball, and downed it and called it game. Now, C.J. Stroud played pretty well. New Orleans defense is not a gimme defense by any means. I mean, he didn't light him up that crazy, 199 yards, but two touchdowns. He did have an interception. And Houston as a team, 31 attempts, 120 yards rushing. That's what you need to do. That's That should be Houston's thing to kind of help C.J. Stroud out. And I think that's the kind of thing that kind of helped get them in front of New Orleans because New Orleans was firing away, but they didn't capitalize when they needed to, and they turned the ball over in inopportune times. All right, going on to the afternoon games, guys, we saw... The battle of Belichick versus McDaniels in Las Vegas. New England visited the Las Vegas Raiders and they lost uh, 21-17. to Now, New England, what can we say here? I mean, Mac Jones, 200 yards passing, no touchdowns again. Not shocked by that by any means. And an interception. They were 58% on third down. So that is definitely a step in the right direction. They did have a couple... Long, sustained drives in the second half. Their rushing attacks were where they scored a couple times. Stevenson had one. Ezekiel Elliott had the other. And we did actually have a showing from a New England wide receiver in Kendrick Bourne. Yes, Kendrick Bourne, the Bourne identity. 10 10 receptions on 11 targets for 89 yards. If he can start to kind of take steps in the right direction... It definitely helped, it looked like, in the second half, helped Mac Jones. They tried to make some things happen. It was 19-17. to 17. And then on, on the very last drive that New England have it. But here's what happened, guys. They were at, they had a holding call against them that backed them up to about the six. Then they had a delay of game call against them that took them back another half. And then they had the Las Vegas Raiders sack Mac Jones for a safety at that point Bill Belichick was throwing tablets and everything so not shocked I mean they had a better showing but a very very bad last drive so uh, Las Vegas side guys we had uh, Jimmy G in there 162 yards and a touchdown and an interception but he left the game with a back injury he walked off, and then later uh, the news kind of broke a little bit. Uh, no big confirmations yet, but supposedly he went to the hospital in an ambulance. 
Uh, we saw Brian Hoyer come in, throw for 102 yards passing. Josh Jacobs, 25 attempts for 77 yards rushing. The main thing, guys, Raiders defense played well. Four sacks, interception, and a safety. Where the heck is Devontae Adams on this team? Where is he? Two receptions on five targets for 29 yards. Now, you're paying him uh, a lot of money and a lot of money to be catching 29 yards receiving. Now, Josh McDaniels, I think, has had plenty of experience having big big name wide receivers before he's got to figure out a way to get Devonte adams rolling i don't care who's at quarterback Devonte adams double cover triple cover throw it to him this is why you paid him this money because he is that talented and i wouldn't be shocked to hear Devonte adams this week complaining about it because that's what wide receivers especially in his position do they're more divas this way Devonte, i'm not calling Devonte adams a diva but most of the wide receivers are and i don't blame them because when you give him the ball he makes plays so let him make plays so needless to say wouldn't be surprised if we didn't hear from Devonte adams chirping a little bit this week but the raiders have the bears up next so i don't think they have much to worry about okay moving on to an nfc west matchup Arizona Cardinals versus the Los Angeles Rams. Now, we saw the Rams take this one down 26-9. Guys, Arizona played well, you know, kept it close in the first half. But once again, here's the deal. 0-3 in the red zone. That's just not going to cut it. They did do well rushing the ball. 30 attempts, 130 yards rushing as a team. That was broken up in between five players. But other than that, guys, nothing really to write home about. Stafford... 226 yards passing. We saw the Los Angeles Rams, of course, when they rush the ball well, what happens? Oh, the Rams end up winning the game. So Kyron Williams, 20 attempts, 150 yard, 158 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, 7 receptions, 9 targets, 148 yards in the air and a touchdown. Uh, Puka Nakua was very quiet in this game, guys. But the main thing is the Rams go... With this, if the Rams are rushing the ball well, the Rams get into the win column. So, Sean McVay, little uh, little points there. I, I'm sure you're probably listening to Just a Guy Talking Football Podcast. So, don't forget to give me a shout-out at your press conference. Kidding, of course. Okay, moving on to another shocker uh, from yesterday afternoon, which is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the New York Jets, where we saw the Jets take this one down 20-16. to Jalen Hurts... Ooh, I don't know if it hurts so good, but it kind of kind of hurts so bad. 280 yards passing, touchdown, three interceptions, guys. That's the key, three interceptions. We saw DeAndre Swift, only uh, 10 attempts for 18 yards and a fumble. I mean, A.J. Brown had himself a game, seven, seven receptions on 19, nine targets for 131 yards. I mean, Eagles were 50% on third down, but the main thing is they... Jalen Hurts, deep in his zone, or not too deep in his zone, I guess. He threw a ball, got intercepted. Jets guy took it all the way back for about 45-yard return until uh, about the Philadelphia 8. And then we saw Brace Hall rushing in right after that. Now the Jets, hey, good for them. Two sacks. Their defense definitely looked like they stepped up. They definitely were great against the run. Um, Zach Wilson, 186 yards passing, zero touchdowns. And here's the key, though. Zero interceptions. Zach Wilson is playing 
effective football as a quarterback a little bit. He's not lining up on the stats, which you don't need him to. The main thing that I think that we got to see the Jets do a little bit better. Now, Brees Hall did have a touchdown, but he only had 12 attempts for 39 yards. Now, I get it that they were down most of this game, but you got to get this running attack going. Got to eat some clock. If Zach Wilson can continue to play efficient football and not give up the ball, we see that the Jets' defense can get them into the proper spots to win games. That's the key for Robert Sala. Get that defense going which they are, get that running game going, and then keep Zach Wilson from playing mistake-free football, they're going to be making some noise and continue to make some noise because they've got a good enough defense to play, especially they were missing their top two corners in that game and they still ended up winning. So, moving right along to one of the top teams in the NFC, which, uh, you know, we've been drinking the Kool-Aid on this podcast, and that's the Detroit Lions Visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Lions taking this one down 20-6. to six. I, I mean, here's the deal, guys. It was another day for Jared Goff to throw two touchdowns. Seems like every week he's thrown for about two touchdowns. 353 yards in the air. And then another guy playing efficient football. Not giving it up. Zero interceptions. We did see David Montgomery go down with an oblique injury in this one, guys. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen with that because they do have Jameer Gibbs out too. Main thing is they were 50 56% on third down. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown <laughs> is him. He had 12 receptions on 15 targets for 124 yards, and that was good enough for Detroit to basically call game. Sam Laporta, they're they're good uh, tight end. He had four receptions for 36 yards. And we saw Detroit's defense have just one sack, which is a pretty quiet day for them. But they, you know, the main thing is they kept Tampa Bay out of the end zone. You saw Baker Mayfield, 206 yards passing with an interception. And that was basically it. Tampa Bay didn't really do much. They had a couple drives, but they could never capitalize on anything. And they only got six points out of it. So that's the way that Detroit's been playing, guys. They've been playing the way of they're putting up points and they're keeping the other team from getting points. So if they continue that, I think Detroit's going to make some noise, especially when it comes to playoff time, if they can continue this role going. Okay, now the night game. We saw the Giants visiting the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills were lucky to win this one, guys. They held on to win 14-9. Now, let's talk about the Giants real quick. Tyrod Taylor, who I believe is a former Buffalo Bill, returned to Buffalo. And I gotta say, he added a little bit of spark to that to that New York Giants offense, because you know what they actually could do? They could actually pass the freaking football a little bit. We did see some receivers making some plays. Now it also probably helped that Saquon Barkley was back and had 24 attempts for 93 yards, so you couldn't necessarily just worry about the pass um, because you had to kind of worry about Saquon a little bit. And they were 58% on third down. But here's the key, guys. Once again, this seems like it's a revolving uh, topic on this uh, podcast. They were 0 for 5 in the red zone. 0 for 5. That's not going to do it. Not only that, right before half, as all most of us were watching, the Giants are up 6-0. They get the ball back. They're on like the one or the two with about 12 seconds left. 
Tyrod Taylor looks like he calls out of a RPO to just the run option. He hands it to Saquon. Saquon gets stuffed by Buffalo and they can't get back up to even, you know, down the football to try to get a field goal off. So instead of being up 9 nothing or 13 nothing, you're going in 6 nothing and you got gave the Buffalo Bills a little bit more to think, you know, to be happy about. It was pretty crazy. And you saw Brian Dayball just about furious with Tyrod Taylor after that and his offensive coordinator. I don't know if 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 it was the offensive coordinator had the wrong play into to an audible, but hey, Buffalo, they were lucky enough to hold on. And they were two for two in the red zone. Go figure, two for two. But hey, two for two is enough to win, especially when the other team can't put up anything. So Josh Allen, 169 yards passing, two touchdowns. We did see Damian Harris go down with a neck injury and get uh, had the ambulance come onto the field. So that, that was another little uh, too uh, close to home from last year when we saw DeMar Hamlin go down. But once again, Stephon Diggs, 10 receptions on 16 targets on 100 yards. That seems like it's pretty much a guarantee that Stephon Diggs is going to have about double-digit receptions every week, guys. Um, but you know, that's what Buffalo does. They were lucky enough to hold on. They are probably lucky enough too, that they didn't get a defensive holding call at the end. You know, it was close. What are you going to do? I mean, these, these refs, it's, it's tough to understand when they're going to call a holding call. Cause you know, I hear other analysts talk about it where it's like, okay, well, it's a holding call at the beginning of the game, but when, you know, the game's on the line, they want to swallow their whistles and it's not a holding call now. So it's tough, you know, really, in my opinion, not to get too far off on a sidetrack, until we get full-time refs, we're going to see this up-and-down scale of calls. Because, really, the NFL doesn't want to pony up the money to pay full-time refs. And, really, until we have full-time refs, you're going to see inconsistent um, penalties called. That's it. So, let's go on to the preview of tonight's game, guys. We've got the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Los Angeles Chargers. I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I think we're going to see some fireworks in this this game, guys. Especially, I think, a little bit from both sides of the defense, too, by the way. I think Dallas has got a lot to prove here because they've had a really bad game this last one. And I think they want to prove that they can beat teams that aren't just New York teams. So, I mean, scoring-wise, guys, we've got the fifth team in the league and the Chargers at 27.5 going against the Dallas Cowboys which is 26.8 for sixth best in the league main thing is the defense Dallas is uh holding up a lot better not allowing as many points the Chargers like to give up some points but I think we're going to see some fireworks I think we're going to see some turnovers on both sides I think we're going to see some scoring now, when it opened up, uh, when I was picking, it was uh, Dallas at minus two. Looks like there's been some movement from uh, some onto the Chargers. So the line has gone down to one and a half. Um, I'm liking Dallas in this one, guys. I think Dallas is going to hold on to win. I know the Chargers have a high-powered offense. I just think Dallas has got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I think they got to get their offense rolling, and, and there's no better team to do it against than the Chargers, who are giving up a ton of points and yards per game. So Dallas in this one, guys, I got Dallas at minus 1.5, and then I do like the under of 50.5. I just think that's just too high. I think we're going to see these defenses uh, hold off and do a 
hold these teams down a little bit. So there we go, guys. That's our Monday run it back for you. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, I'll give you the run it back from tonight's game. We're going to go over our post-week 6 power rankings and give you any injury updates that we can. But for right now, guys, thanks for joining Just a Guy Talking Football Podcast with PJ Yankee, and I'm out.